2: We welcome back Toby Rowland uh, after what was a f- I, I, I guess we could say a fun Tuesday night. I mean, that was a—it's it, going to sure. be—it's going to be a heck of a challenge minus Jordan Woodard. But when you get Tin back, boy, Toby—he made a heck of a difference, didn't he?
1: You know, I thought it, it, first off, it's always fun. There's always a little bit of electricity in the air when Kansas is coming.
2: To oh, this absolutely, period. yep.
1: And, and then you throw on top of that, we started to get, you know, kind of word early in the day that maybe Jordan was going to play. Um, and that was confirmed as the day went along. And I think the energy, uh, the you know, there was natural energy when you play Kansas and that got doubled maybe when the team found out Jordan was going to get to play with them. And The, the first half they played was their best half of the year. Uh couldn't hang on to it in the second half because Kansas did what Kansas does, and they went on a 13-0 run, lickety split out of the locker room, and uh, and it was too much for the Sooners to overcome. But I do think that it takes some encouragement out of that game with the way they played uh, in the first half. The fact that it looks like Jordan is okay. I mean, he, he was back and played well and played 24 minutes. And there's a little you know, there's a matter of getting his conditioning back, but I think, as far as I know, everything's tested out for that game and. He's going to be okay going forward, I think. So if that's the case, then that's a, a tremendous uh, physical lift because he's their leading scorer, but also an emotional lift for this team. So, listen, they need a win. I mean, they're, they're 0-4, and they've, they've made strides um, with the way they played against TCU, with the way they played against Kansas State, with the way they played against Kansas. I think everybody would agree that they seem to be getting better, but they haven't yet been rewarded for that with a win. And they can't go a whole whole bunch longer before I think that starts to wear on, especially such a young team. So they need to get rewarded for this improvement here pretty soon. Hopefully that comes Saturday against Texas Tech.
2: Boy, Cam Auguste really has that look to him, doesn't he? I mean, I'll be honest with you, Toby. It's been tough for me with uh, the women's basketball travel schedule and some of our football responsibilities to really get to sit and watch an entire game this year and Tuesday night was one of my first true opportunities to watch from start to finish, I McGusty mean, has that kind of special feel to him. You know, you, you, you see him, he's very confident. I know that's been something you've, you've watched develop throughout the season, but uh, he really looks like he can be something special in Lon Kruger's rotation.
1: He's a natural scorer. I mean, he's just, he is born with that gift that Buddy certainly had, and I, I'm not saying he's buddy healed, but I do think Cam Mcgusty has a chance to compile, if he stays at Oklahoma for four years, some really big numbers here. Um, he can shoot the three, obviously. He's got the quickest spin move I've ever seen. Um, I mean, when he decides to spin on somebody, it is <laughs> light fast. He can get to the rim. He can finish around the rim. He's excellent at knowing how to draw contact, to play to the contact. He doesn't shy away from it. He likes it. He knows how to get to the free throw line. He's got a nice little mid-range game. I think it has taken about a half a year for him to kind of dial into the speed of the college game and figure out where he's going to be able to get shots and and uh, not have to force it but wait for it, wait for open looks. They will come. But now he he's, seems to have settled in. He was moved into the starting lineup for the first time against Kansas. After the 20-point game against Kansas State, he followed it up with 13 against Kansas. He played really well. You remember that game up at Wisconsin, which was another big-time opponent. So uh, I I think he is not just going to be a good player. I think he's going to be a great player. Uh, in the Big 12 in, in coming years, and you're just starting to see him blossom right now.
2: You know, it, it was uh, Fran Fraschilla said something about Christian James uh, disappearing. I think he said he's been in the witness protection program the last few weeks, and uh, maybe a little bit unfair because so much has been put on Christian James now with the uh, with the injury to Jordan Woodard, but I think you saw a little bit of a reemergence from both him and Kadim Latin. I guess the charge here is just to see more consistency from those guys, Toby. Is that what the coaching staff's
1: wanting definitely more consistency, but I mean I think just more production, period. I think that, you know, coming into this year the there was a bunch of unknowns with who they lost and there was a bunch of new kids that you didn't know exactly what you were gonna get out of them. But what you thought you did know is that Jordan Woodard Uh, was going to be really good. And Christian James and Kadeem Lattin are guys who you're going to be able to lean on. I mean, they're going to be heavy production guys for you. And that hasn't happened. And it is a bit of a mystery why Kadeem, who played very well, by the way, against Kansas. Kadeem had maybe his best game of the year against Kansas. But across the board, has not given them the numbers they they need. I mean, he's averaging single digits. He hasn't had a double-digit scoring game, I think, in nine or ten straight games now. He had double-digit rebounds against Kansas. That's the first time he's done that since the season opener. So they haven't, they just haven't gotten the production out of Kadim that he or they or anybody expected. And certainly, you could say the same for Christian. At least of late, he's averaging double figures on the year. But it's been, you know, several straight games here where he's had three points, three points. He had nine against Kansas. But I mean, they, you know, they thought coming into the year he's a fifteen to twenty point a game guy. And I don't, I think foul trouble's gotten into his head. I think that he's not being as aggressive on the offensive end as we saw perhaps a year ago. He looks a little heavy footed on that end. His shots not fallen of late from outside. He's still shooting a great percentage from three on the year, but it's gone down here a bit in the last four or five games or so. So, um, if they could get Christian and Kadim. To play, you know, a little closer to what we expected them to give them coming into the year. You combine that with Jordan being back and the production they're now getting from some of these young kids, then you got something. I mean, you got some of them right now. You got something that you can win games in the Big 12 right now with, if they could get, I think, Christian and Kadeem to just elevate their games uh, a level.
2: How do you? It's been interesting because, you know, it it, people see. A Final Four trip last year, Toby, and they think it's all just been, uh, I guess, what candy and roses. But it hasn't always been easy for Lon Kruger uh, since he's been the head coach at Oklahoma. They've they've gone through a lot of different phases of rebuilding, and so he th- going through adversity is nothing new for him, or at least a phase of rebuilding, I should say. So when I ask this question, I understand that it's not necessarily a whole new thing. But how has Lon Kruger handled the adversity this year? Because you went from the highest of highs, Final Four teams, every seat filled in the Lloyd Noble Center, to you know a team that's struggling to find to win a win in Big Twelve play. How has uh, Coach Kruger handled things?
1: Um, better than I would, you know, <laughs> better, be, better than anybody else I know. To be honest with you, I, I think that he's uh, he's frustrated on a Lon Kruger scale of frustrated. Which is you don't see much. I mean, he doesn't show much of that at all. He's constantly staying positive and says what he says every year, which is we just we got to groove, we got to work harder. We've, but I think he also finds joy, and we may have talked about this before, in the building process. You know, if you look back at um, uh, his tenure here, the first year they had a sub 500 record, didn't go to the postseason, didn't even go to the NIT. Second year, they made the tournament, lost the first game. In fact, the next two years, they went to the tournament, lost the first game. The next year, they got to the Sweet 16 and got bounced by Michigan State. The next year, they go to the Final Four. So each year, you saw the program take a step up. And now they're kind of back to square one again. And they're below 500, and it's going to take a pretty drastic turnaround for this team to come close to, you know, even considering the NCAA tournament or maybe even the NIT so there is something about kind of starting on the ground floor, knowing he's got 11 freshmen and sophomores who can play, who are talented to try to mold and that it's going to take a while and it's going to take some patience, but he, but he gets to build them, you know, he gets to be the architect of this. And so I think that any coach enjoys that to some extent. Uh, and uh, there's, there's a twinkle of joy in his eye, even at a loss at seeing his team get something, like the second half of the Kansas State game where they made a run at him. They played so much harder, and they moved the ball and showed some passion that carried over into the Kansas game. And I think he realizes, all right, that has finally gotten through. It's clicked with them how hard they're going to have to play in this conference to come close to winning basketball games. So um, he's, he's dealing with it well. He's not enjoying it. But he's he's dealing with it quite well.
2: Now, I haven't heard a lot of talk about this, and you see it more closely than anyone else traveling on the road with this team, Toby. But is there anything to also meshing in a couple of new staff members? I mean, when you lose, and let's just say specifically here a guy like Steve Henson, there's a guy that's been Lon's right-hand man for a long time. I mean, does that does that factor in at all in a season like this? Um, yeah, I, I, maybe. I, it's a,
1: kind of impossible to say. True, um, yeah. I, I, all, I, all I know is that I have been thoroughly impressed with Carlin Hartman.
2: Yeah, he's a stud.
1: Uh, everything about Carlin Hartman is impressive. The way he goes about his business, his professionalism, the way he deals with the kids, the way he deals with the media. He doesn't do a lot of media, but when he does, and he'll do interviews with us or come on radio shows, He is outstanding. I've gotten to know his family a little bit. We traveled together on the Orlando trip a while back. Um, I am a huge fan already of Carlin Hartman, and I think he's been a great addition to this coaching staff. So I would imagine any time there's some change and you lose Lou Hill and Steve Henson, who are great coaches, and and a lot of these upperclassmen certainly had a, a rapport with them, uh, and you bring in Carlin Hartman and Kevin Krueger, and even though they're uh, outstanding coaches, I'm sure there's a little bit of a getting to know each other period there. But whether that has resulted in any more losses than there would have been, I, I think that would be unfair, and, and I would have no way of knowing. But I, I would, uh, you know, Kevin and Carlin have been outstanding additions, outstanding hires, I think.
2: Boy, what about the, uh, and by the way, Saturday will be a very cool day uh well not just from the weather perspective see I got a weather jo- I got a weather choke in today um but also with the doubleheader I love these uh days you have the women's game in the afternoon and you have the men's game at 7:30 on Saturday night so uh Texas Tech double up's going to be fun on Saturday what's interesting to me though Toby is I just got back off the road playing with uh, calling the women's game last night against Iowa State as we taped this man Sherry Cole they've uh this team knows how to handle adversity. They bounce back from their first loss. It's been an emotional week with Tiana Edwards' mother passing. I mean, I VV I mean Nancy Mulkey doesn't play well last night. Struggle. She's a freshman, that's going to happen. Chelsea Dungey doesn't have her best game. What happens? The the upperclassmen come off the bench and step up. You had a big night from Vivi. You had a big night uh, from a minutes perspective and a hustle and a defensive perspective from Joya Carter. I- I'm really starting to get the feel that this could be a pretty special team for Sherry Cole this year. You've seen him a lot on TV. What stood out to you?
1: Well, I think you're right. I-, I think you're right. I think there are some on-court things that have come together for them, and-, and even though Nancy didn't play well against Iowa State, certainly her emergence as a major part of this team the last three or four weeks is a huge addition. And the rotation that she can do with Mulkey and Pierre Louis is, um, you know, that's, that's big, that's big time. And and she'll rotate them until she finds the hot hand. And sometimes she'll just keep rotating them uh, every two or three minutes anyway. But you got a couple of big time shot blockers there who can both score on the block and around the rim. And, uh, and you couple that with, an excellent and experienced backcourt and it may be maddie one night it may be little one night it may be gabby one night uh it may be dungy one night but usually every night a couple of them are going to have a hot hand a hot enough hand to get you a win so you've got a backcourt that can score you've got a frontcourt rotation that can block shots and score And maybe the most important thing is you've got a ton of experience. I mean, these girls have seen um, a whole lot of basketball at the college level, at the Big 12 level. And uh, I don't know if they're the most experienced team in the Big 12, but they got to be close to it. So um, I think that's a great combination there. You know, I mean, this, it feels to me like that they are trending in a great direction. And um, maybe it's the kind of team, Chris, that ends up. In a Sweet 16, or threatens a trip to an Elite Eight if they get a uh, a good draw. I, I think they're that good. They're good enough that if they get hot at the right time, they're the kind of team that can make an NCAA tournament run of some depth.
2: Hey, before I let you run, you know we got we got recruiting coverage coming up here in a couple of weeks. Toby, have you been brushing up on your recruit news? And uh, who's going to be the next Samaj P. Ryan?
1: You <laughs> just you just sent me into a little bit of a heart palpitation. <laughs> <laughs> uh I will say I am more studied up on Sooner Squad seventeen uh in mid January than I have ever been on a recruiting class at this point. I'm not I I need to do a lot more studying, but I'm farther along than I usually am. Ah, How about we that? We
2: got we we got some time before we get there. We got some time before we get there. That's I was this is
1: gonna be a fun class to talk about. That's for sure.
2: Yeah, and you know it's kind of interesting because again, I think everyone kind of understands the drill here. We can't talk about specific recruits, and we don't go in depth on recruiting. It's uh, it's not it's not a risk that's worth taking. Uh, but you know, you can't
1: it, talk about them until they sign. Yeah, there, the, that, there you go. The
2: and there you go. So that's why I can't wait for signing day so that you and I can sit here. Uh, and after we watch the videos and talk to Coach Stoops and all the assistant coaches, I, I think this is going to be a, a pretty exciting squad to talk about. Hey, uh, r- real quick, just one final note before I wrap up here. Samajay turning pro, Joe Mixon turning pro, obviously. Uh, it leads a hole in the backfield, but what what a career! Uh, and it, obviously, specifically for Samadji, P. Ryan. all time leading rusher. You talk about a guy that left it all out on the field, Toby. He was uh, he was something pretty special in the Sooner uniform.
1: He, he he certainly was. Um, you know, to finish number one on that chart, that list is amazing. And I'm anxious to see what kind of a pro uh, Samaje is going to be. I think that if he lands with the right team with the right organization um, that he's got a chance to play in the league for a long, long time. And uh, certainly the lead up to the NFL draft is going to be very interesting for Joe Mixon as well. I, I think just speaking of those two guys together, I think history will look back on that tandem, the two years that we had that tandem together as one of the great to know you football history. I mean, that's a, that's a fun conversation to have right there when you're looking at, uh, backfield tandems in OU history, you can put together some pretty salty duos, yeah, and the duo of B e. Ryan and Mixon takes a backseat to very few, if any. And uh, yeah, I don't know I don't know who it is next year. I don't know if it's Rodney Anderson or Abdul Adams or uh, one of these new kids, but they have done a pretty good job at the University of Oklahoma and the Bob Stoops there regardless of who the offensive coordinator is at filling the running back position with not just a serviceable ball carrier but a a spectacular ball carrier who ends up in the NFL. I mean it's just it's been a line, one after the other. So I I'm not too awfully worried about them finding a running back. They're, they're pretty
2: good at that. Amen, buddy. All right, Toby, have a great call this weekend. I don't, uh, we want to see a great crowd out there, a full day of basketball this Saturday, a big day on Sunday out at the Lloyd Noble Center. I know you've talked to KJ quite a bit this year with gymnastics hosting UCLA. Pretty fun time with a lot going on, and we got baseball and softball right around the corner too, so fun time as far as Sooner Athletics is concerned.
1: It is, and I and I uh, track you down sometime this weekend because I know you brought me back a plate of spaghetti from the shed, so I'm looking forward to getting that, beating it up.
2: I don't think there was any leftovers, Toby. I think that's a...
1: <laughs> Oh, no. <laughs> All
2: right, thanks, buddy. We'll talk to you soon. See you, Chris. Thanks, Toby. I'm going to send that email to Tom as soon as I get done putting this together and just CC you guys on it. So Sounds good. All right, thanks, brother. Man. See you, Toby. Have a good one. Bye. So there you have it. The voice of the Sooners, Toby Rowland. On this edition of what we like to call the tailgate, as we get set for a busy weekend in Sooner Athletics. A reminder, as always, follow us on Twitter at OU on the air, at Sooner Sports TV, and be looking for the Monday morning refresher. It's the opening weekend for men's gymnastics, tennis, track, and field. We'll recap the women's gymnastics meet against UCLA. We'll recap basketball and we'll talk about it all week next week right here on the sooner sports podcast. So, until the Monday morning refresher on Monday morning, everyone have a great week and enjoy sooner athletics and boomer sooner everybody.
0: This has been the sooner sports
2: podcast. Make sure to get all the latest episodes online right now at
1: sooner slash podcast and make sure to follow us on Twitter at OU on the air.